Hello and good evening and welcome to another episode of Religions, Regimes and Refugees and their Multicultural Mess and Secular Scam. Thank you so much for joining me today again. I really appreciate your presence and I hope you're having a great, great day and a great weekend. It is difficult for those who are following the events in Turkey and Syria and we hope that they come to... um. They don't suffer too much and that they find as many people as possible. And we're praying for those got so, who survived and that they may find new shelter, new homes, because it's been very difficult. So our prayers to all of them um, and our best wishes to uh, Turkey, uh, whatever our ideological position on it. Um, coming back to something that's a little bit different. Um, I saw something in, in, on the internet today and I thought I will talk about it. Uh, it's very, very interesting for people who don't know. We're going to talk about the history of this. Uh, so I saw an item in, in the, in, on the internet uh, on India today where it says women allowed uh, a Muslim uh, lady um, takes the All India Muslim Law Board to the Supreme Court. Why? Because she was not allowed to go into a mosque. Uh, we know that um, in in mosque in, in India, well, in India and Pakistan, not all, not all, um, but there are some. Uh, a woman is not allowed to enter the mosque, or if they are allowed to enter, they are allowed to enter one side. They are not allowed to mingle, um, and there are certain restrictions. But the, by and large, there's a lot many mosques that are not allowed to offer namaz where women are not allowed to offer namaz in the mosque. So this courageous lady. Now, we knew that, but we couldn't question it because, oh, my God, it's going to be Islamophobia and the Kufras are questioning and because they are so perfect, they know everything and God is so supreme that even the Supreme Court cannot go over them or no one can go over them. And only the mullahs have the right to decide what God wants. I mean, the mullahs are absolutely no one and they are just relics of colonial empire. So how they decide what God wants, I don't know. They've never met God and yet they have the decision and the morality to think that we have to submit to them uh, in the name of God. But, uh, you know, Christianity does the same thing. All religions do the same thing. But here we are at this junction where a woman sues the All India Muslim Law Board uh, because she cannot offer namaz in the mosque. So I'm going to read the article to you and I will explain a little history of where this comes from. So the All India Muslim Law all India Muslim Personal Law Board has told the Supreme Court that women, according to religious texts, doctrines and beliefs are permitted to enter mosques for offering namaz, provided that there is no free intermixing of men and women in common areas. The affidavit pointing out that there are no religious texts authorizing free intermingling um, of genders uh, in any mosque. When it comes to performing namaz around the Kaaba in Makkah, there are temporary arrangements by putting barricades to provide separation between men and women worshippers during prayer. The etiquette of prayer, particularly no free intermixing of sexes, are adhered to willingly, strictly and sincerely by all devotees, whether men or women, it is added. In fact, in Mecca, there are scores of mosques besides the Masjid al-Haram, where since the time of the Prophet Muhammad, no intermingling of sexes is allowed. It is pertinent to mention that all, almost every mosque has a separate entrance, entrance for men and women. And even the areas of abolition and washroom are separate. The affidavit has been filed in a plea preferred by one 
Farha Anwar Hussein Sheikh, where she alleged that practices of prohibition of entry of Muslim women into mosques in India are illegal and under and unconstitutional. Um, Sheikh, in her plea, has further sought a dignity, a life of dignity for Muslim women, and has also relied on Islamic principles. The affidavit said that Islam has not made it obligatory for Muslim women to join daily five-time prayers in in a congregation, nor is it obligatory for women to offer the weekly nama in a congregation. That is so for Muslim men. The Muslim women is differently placed because she as per doctrines of Islam, she is entitled to the same religious reward for praying as per her option either in the masjid or the home. The affidavit also states that there are certain Islamic etiquette and principles that are followed as a manifestation of Islamic faith to maintain the decorum in social and private spheres and and in the present case to protect the spiritual essence of prayer that is namaz for both men and women the separation between chambers of men and women in many mosques is available to provide comfortable and safe space to muslim women who can pray in peace and unwind themselves during the most intimate spiritual activity that is the nama uh, basically, the long and short of the story is uh, a Muslim woman uh, by the name of Farha Anwar Hussein Sheikh uh, wanted to go to a mosque and it was raining outside so she didn't wait outside so she went inside but she was not allowed to go. She said also um, in an interview, in a short interview, that if you go in for to a mosque, um, there are areas for abolition for men and in some mosques there are no men um, areas for abolition for uh, women. Well, maybe some mosques have it, some mosques don't, but in the mosque she went to there was allegedly no... Um, there was no um, abolition for women. So she's stuck and she's basically banned or prohibited from going to a mosque, um, which is not ex- which does not exist in the Quran. So let me tell you that straight away. This it, this exists. This separation of sexes does not exist in the Quran. Uh, so it's a, an invention by the mullahs and the Islamic empires, the colonial empires, uh, and now it's become law, Islamic law. But law is not Islamic. There's no law. Law only comes with empires. The empires are dead and gone. But the moment you add God to it, all of a sudden it becomes God's law. But God doesn't give you laws at all. Man invents wo- wo- laws and attaches it to God for legitimacy. So that's important to know. Um, now, in Mecca, um, basically, you, you, there are mo- the women going around the Kaaba all the time. You can go around the Kaaba, men and women go around the Kaaba if you see the Masjid al-Haram. And, um, but there are separation of, of genders, and, in, and especially in Islam, there are, there's a separation of gender in, in most mosques, um, and even in the Masjid al-Haram, uh, there are places for men and women. There's no mixing. In Islam, you're not allowed to mix genders. So even if you go to a wedding, you will see men and women seated separately for people who follow, practice uh, Islam, and practice the faith. Um, and if you, so basically... 
there's no such thing as separation of genders, but there is no intermingling of genders, but that has now become separation of genders to suit the supremacy of the male uh, of the male chauvinist men who control this. So it's very, very important to understand that. Now, where does this come from? What is the historical basis for this? Uh, Islam is an Abrahamic religion and everything starts with Abraham and Judaism. Okay, if you don't know, uh, let's go backwards little by little. Before Islam comes Christianity, and Christianity until very recently had segregation of genders, my dear friend. If you go to a church and you see pews, you see one side and the other side. Okay, in the main hall and even in the in the aisles, in the in the uh, in the wings. Okay, if some churches, big churches, have wings. So a wing means there are seating on either aisle on on uh, the horizontal level of the church uh, altar. So you have the the the. Um, the vertical, uh, cylindrical uh, aisle of the church, okay, the church is, made, is built like a cross. So you have this vertical, uh, not vertical, yes, but the vertical, uh, cylindrical aisle of the church where you have separate seating. You have two areas, two pews, one on each side of the aisle. Um, and the center is made for the priest to walk down to the altar. And you have the aisles, which are horizontal to the main body of the church. And, and uh, you have, again, seating arrangements there where separated by aisles. Now, for people who don't remember, who don't know, today, Christianity, a man, man and women can sit together. Okay? They can sit together uh, anywhere, anytime, any church. But there was until recently, they could not sit together. And those pews that you see, there was one time there were men sitting on one side and women sitting on the other side, my friends. Yes, that is true. So women and men sat separately, even in Christian churches. It is very important to understand that. That's why you have two sets of pews uh, and and they change it over the years and... Um, Yes, absolutely. Changes over the years. And uh, now we sit together. But there was also a time in Christianity where men sat below. And if you see in every church, there's a mezzanine floor. The women sat on top at the mezzanine floors. Yes, my dear friends. And you see Theatres, I don't know if you remember all uh, British theatres and movie theatres, the old British, you'll see a mezzanine floor or balcony as it's called and uh, you'll see stalls below. I don't know, they don't have it anymore. But in the old days, or when, I, when I was there and I was growing up, if you go to an old English, uh, old theatre, old cinema hall built during the British time, uh, or even afterwards, there is a we we used to buy tickets, two different types of tickets where we have stall where people below and everyone used to whistle and hassle and and it was disgusting. And you'd go to the balcony on the top, uh, or and where people with a lot of class would sit and people who were very decent, no no whistling and things like that. Uh, but what were these balcony and and um, 
What was this balcony and, and stall? Were they really balconies and stall? The balconies, my dear friend, comes from a Christian tradition where the women sat separately from the men and that the women sat on top, the women, the men sat down. It changed later in life. Um, it changed, uh, I don't know when it changed, 17th century, 18th century, I don't know when, okay? But I know that it changed and there was a time uh, where you have... Uh, um on the top um you have the balcony with the women and the and the mezzanine as it's called and the stall below was for the men uh but that comes from the christian tradition of men and women do not intermingle which is exactly like islam now there's nothing written in the bible in the new testament but they practice it okay where does this come from? Now, if you go back into Christian churches, uh, old churches, you see any old church, you go to Goa and you see the old churches, you go to Europe, you see the old churches, you go to Canada, United States, you see the old churches, you go to the Notre Dame Cathedral uh, in Montreal, you see the old church, uh, you see mezzanine flows. Again, all these mezzanine flows were for women, not men. Today we don't remember, but there was a time when this was for women and not men. Uh, so literally exactly the same, okay, as Islam. Now where does this come from? From Judaism, my friend. Yes, it comes from Judaism. Judaism has uh, a tradition where women, uh, separate seating in a synagogue, it is called metidza, um, or it's pronounced as mu. Muktiza, Muktiza. I can't pronounce it. I'm so sh I'm so sorry. So, Mahitza, Mahitza, Mahitza. I apologize. I'm trying to pronounce this, but it's it's just getting over me. Mahitza. So it, it's written as M E C H I T Z A H. And I'll put the link on my on my Facebook page. But it's separate seating in a synagogue. And this tradition passed down to Christianity and Islam. Because remember, I've always said Christianity and uh, when Judaism broke up or when the original um, temple of Israel or the kingdom of Israel broke up, it broke up into north and south. The south was Yehud. The north was the small, uh, smaller uh, northern kingdom of Israel and the southern kingdom of Yehud went onwards a thousand years later to form what was then Christianity and um, the northern kingdom uh, and their orthodoxy went on to form in the 6th century in the 7th century what is called as Islam so Islam gets its tradition from orthodox Judaism uh, which we that's what we call it today and that orthodox Judaism comes from the northern Israel kingdom which broke off from the southern Israel kingdom and that's why they all have the same lineage or the same uh, traditions now I'm just going to go briefly into it why it happens and I'm going to tell you right off the bat. I'm going to read first for you quickly from a, a website, my Jewish learning, and then I'll explain the history. So um, the 
Mahitsa, or the separation, is the physical barrier separating men's section and women's section of an orthodox synagogue. In orthodox congregations, men and women are not permitted to sit together during prayer services. The height of the Mahitsa uh, varies, and it can be a curtain, screen, or even shelving of plants. In some synagogues, in, instead of being divided by a makhitsa. The women's section is in a balcony and the men's section is in the main floor of the sanctuary, which transferred onto Christianity and Islam. The origins of the makhitsa. It is unclear exactly when the makhitsa came to use and the halakhic uh, Jewish law um, issues are quite ambiguous. The wording of the Talmud text is unclear and the codes nowhere explains the explicitly why they require a makhitsa. This is neither in a direct prohibition nor a direct requirement. Mammonites refer to the women's section in this compilation of laws dealing with the ancient temple and not in the section dealing with prayer and synagogue. Other medieval texts specifically mentioned during the partition or for public occasions such as rabbis' lectures. So a uh, 13th century, the Mordecai 13th century rabbinic authority states specifically that a screen could be set up such as a purpose even a sh on Shabbat. Um, it is not until the modern period when the reform movement first removed the Mekhitsa and later instituted family pews that Orthodox responsa explicitly requiring a Mekhitsa for prayer services were written. Uh, Orthodox decisors today all agree that only that one can only pray in a synagogue with separated seating and makhitsa. A halakhic process surrounding this one issue involves many levels of interpretation, differential weighting of sources, a variety of reasons, and a serious difference of opinion concerning the, uh, women disturbing disturbing presence during prayer. In the last 150 years, the issue of separation had taken on political overtones that impinge on the legal ones. The legal questions being raised are fascinating and begin with the ambiguous sources relied upon. Um, the primary text is a Talmudic discussion which states that on um, the water drawing festival during Shukot, which is another festival, they went into women's section and made great repair or improvement or great enactment. There are messianic references um, that add to the picture, but the Talmudic discussion um, is the most elaborate. So what exactly is the new enactment? The legal decision of, to separate men and women is clear in the Talmudic discussion, but the questions as to how, why, and when remain. Was this reform according to the Talmud only for that one holiday when the levity reached a level that moral laxity was feared? Or does the Talmudic use the text which relates that men and women are separated from mourning, indicates a known policy on the separation of men and women. What is the legal relationship of that text to other biblical texts in which men and women mingle in public celebrations? Furthermore, if men and women are separated from mourning, how is it that women still perform officially as wailers? Is that 
text then extend able to all monuments of holiness such as prayer how did sages institute something for a new temple even with the agreement of a special court of of 71 how can any changes be made when one chronicles contains the injunction um which prohibits any change to the temple structure given even that a physical structure is necessary will only a balcony suffice so the cons- consideration for all the above questions are uh, plus the other factors such as the equation of the synagogue with the temple and the authority of biblical law versus rabbinic law plays a major role in the discussion making process of rab- of today's rabbinic authorities the primary attention is given here to the responsa um or the teshvot in an attempt to educate uh, elucidate the halakhic process surrounding this one issue um so it's not in in jewish text it's not really um known it's really ambiguous why do they separate men and women it's ambiguous to the core and there's no real one reason but this was practiced during early judaism and all the three thousand years of judaism today only orthodox and ultra orthodox practice it because the ancient kingdom broke up into two different groups um southern kingdom of yehud the northern kingdom of israel they still continued practicing it the yehud then formed christianity the northern kingdom then formed went on to form the islam orthodox judaism and until the 17th century by and large all jews were considered orthodox and when the reform movement started happening in europe um and basically by and large that's what it was um so what i was going to say i lost my train of thought i'm so sorry um this transferred to christianity and then it transferred to islam so this is where islam gets its separation of men and women of genders and no intermingling of genders at all uh it's not written in the quran uh but because uh all mullahs and tullahs take come from this descended of the same orthodoxy as christianity that comes from judaism which is the same source for all of this uh by and large it they are they are not they are not practicing god's work or interpreting god's work they are colonial feudal system that does not want to give up power so although they live in the 21st century they are mentally in the uh, in in uh, 3000 years behind where they had complete and authoritative power and they have no no chance and no in, intention of giving up this power so they keep harping on their ideological laws which they have invented in order to derive totalitarian power because divide and rule then makes you know then makes them powerful the moment people get together and and join become unified then they have no power that power comes when you're separated and not united uh, so that is one part I wanted to tell you. The second part of the history lesson is why did this law first come into place, whether it was one day or two days, whether it was one religion or the other religion? I'm going to bring you back to a um, very important part, the same 
uh, earthquake that happened in Turkey. Now, I've been telling you very importantly, the three religions, Abrahamic religions, come from the same area, the Levant, okay? And if you take a clue from the earthquakes in Turkey, you know exactly the reason why. Because the earthquakes in Turkey um, are happened because of a fault line, like I mentioned, the Eastern Anatolian fault line where the Arabian uh, tectonic plate hits on, uh, is pushing up against um, the Anatolian plate, tectonic plate, uh, from the south and from the east, and from the north, the Eurasian plate is hitting on the Arab on on the uh, Anatolian plate. So from both sides, you have one side the Eurasian plate, and one side you have the um, Arabian plate pushing. On the other side, you have the African plate, and this is uh, on their fault lines, the junctions where these plates mix meet. There are there's friction, there's a fault, there's a break in the Earth's crust, which is called a fault line that fault line there's friction there's there's force there's pressure built up and then boom you have either an earthquake or you have a volcanic eruption and that my dear friend is exactly what uh is causing the problem this area called the levant which is uh, israel the palestinian territories uh lebanon syria jordan turkey is all very seismic region and there are constant earthquakes the last earthquake happened in 1999 before that in 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 1939 so you see there have been earthquakes all along Turkey. It's a very difficult zone to sit in. And there are constant seismic uh, activity happening here. Which means, in the olden days, like I mentioned, if an earthquake happened and there were buildings, it come down. They don't have any cranes to take the load off. To, uh, to take off the stones. To take off the big uh, pillars that fell down. What would happen to the people underneath? What would happen? You, were there any cranes? Were there any machinery? Was, uh, was there any uh, um, heat radars? Nothing. So the people would just lie underneath and they, they, they would uh, rot away to glory. Um, and because of that, there would be plague. There would be, I don't know if you're listening to the earthquakes, um, the commentary, the people are already saying uh, the people in, in the cities can smell the stench of death because there are so many, so many bodies lying underneath the rubble. As a result of which, uh, they can smell the rot, the bodies are already starting to decompose. Now, in the olden days, this would happen. And what guess what would happen? Plague would set in. Rats would come, they would eat the bodies, they would take out, uh, you know, foodstuff, animal, people who are rotting, uh, bodies decomposing, animals would come and they would, they would spread disease and disease and disease and anything that had disease would get, people would get sick. And so they had certain laws put in place uh, to avoid pandemics, to avoid plagues, because they're sitting in a zone that's very, very seismic. Uh, so to, in order to avoid this plague, they would have to hit certain zones. These zones uh, that then meant that you could not walk into the zone anytime ever. Uh, like COVID, there are green zones, yellow zones, green, red zones. So all those who were clean, all those who, who, who um, kept the laws, kept their social distancing, okay, as we call it now, social distancing, um they were allowed into these green zones okay 
in Islam, these green zone are, zones are called Sharia zones. Um, Sharia zones, okay? Similarly, in, in, um, in, in Judaism, you have areas where only Orthodox people stay. If you look at Israel, if you look at New York, if you look at uh, uh, Toronto, you look at Montreal, you look at um, many American cities, you see the Jewish people, especially the Orthodox, they live separately. They do not mix with you. They have their own enclaves. And they get a lot of money from the government for that because they get a lot of votes, my dear friend. But in reality, it's not about votes. It's because in their mind for 3,000 years and in their text, they consider themselves, if they follow their Judaic halakhic law, they consider themselves ultra clean. And the laws were put in for this specific geography and geology, not for all over the world, which is absolutely ridiculous because... All traditions are made to survive on a land. The land is the leavened, the requirement of the land, it's a seismic zone. And all the traditions come from being clean in the seismic zone to avoid any plagues and pandemics and social distancing. So once they kept their social distance from each other and they were clean, they, they washed their hands five times a day, they didn't have a problem at all. And so you could go into these zones and anyone who didn't follow the laws and got sick was sent to leprosy colonies absolute leprosy colonies and these leprosy colonies were called makkas because if you had a wound if you had um you had a, you had you were unclean you were considered um you had you were called a makkah because a makkah means a wound and that my dear friend is in the old testament the chapter 3 leviticus from uh how they were treated uh, from chapter uh 3 and verses 13 to 17, if I'm not mistaken. Okay, so that is what is important to know. Uh, they needed social distancing. Now, why were women kept separate from men? You'd say the social distancing is for everyone because women had menstrual cycles and they were considered unclean. If you know from all three books, um, uh, Judaism, uh, Islam, and I'm not sure about Christianity, but I think that too, uh, these were considered... Um, Regular, these were considered women were considered uh, unclean if they had their their menstrual cycles, and because any type of liquid coming out of your body, and especially women which had blood flow and which stained everything, it was considered unclean and could could uh, contaminate everything, contaminate food, could contaminate uh could contaminate people. They thought that you would fall sick. So um. In Judaic law, in Orthodox law, you can't even sleep with your partner uh, for the five or ten days that you have um, you have uh, your menstrual cycles. And when it's over, you have to go to mikveh, you have to clean yourself, and then you can go and sleep back with your husband in the same bed. But uh, you were considered unclean. So women are considered unclean because of their menstrual cycles, and they are not allowed to mingle with the men, um, and especially during the time of prayer, because in case, um, you know, because they're not as pure as the man. And this is followed to the core in Judaic law. Okay, this is very prominent. And from this law, Christianity took, on, took it over because Christianity is also Jewish. The Christian, Christianity is just the empire, okay? Is the relic, is a colonial empire started by, by um, the Romans, but based on Jewish traditions because in those days, 
people were only Jewish in that land or Hebrew, should I say, not only, but by and large in the Levin, they were a Hebrew in that land. Uh, there were other types of people, Greek, uh, Romans, uh, Persians, but by and large, in order to get hold of this community, they had to take over uh, Jewish law and made it Christian. So Christian law is the same. And of course, Islam then institutes the same law because they are descended from the um, Jewish law, Jewish Orthodox law, um, and Jewish Orthodox law talks about separation of men and women. It's called, again, um, it's called Mahitsa. Uh, I'm sorry if I'm not pronouncing it well. For that's the history behind uh, the separation of uh, men and women. Women are considered unclean, especially during the menstrual cycles. Even if they do not go to the church, to the temp uh, mosque during the, the cycles, uh, they are considered unclean. And because they're always secretion uh, during this menstrual cycle, they are permanently... Uh, dictated as people who are unclean and so they are not allowed to mix with men and women uh, in any uh, in any field so that is the history behind it I'm going to post these on my website on, on, on Facebook I hope you'll take a look at them it's very interesting for your knowledge and please do your research and you can go from there so thank you once again for joining me I wish you a pleasant time and I hope you can um, we will have gained some knowledge today. I will see you tomorrow, my dear friends. Stay safe and um, peace.